You're listening to the Story Embers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to episode 64, Finding a Unique and Surprising Plot. Welcome everyone to today's episode on the Story Embers podcast. I'm your host, James Nola. I'm Laurie Scott. I'm Mariposa Aristeel. And I'm Dear Slam. And today we're talking about the topic, finding a unique and surprising plot. No writer wants their story to be boring and predictable, and we all love having those stories where we sit down and are immersed for hours as it brings us into plot twist after plot twist. So today I'd love to talk with you guys about creating unique and surprising plots. My first question for you, how do you create an original plot? Well, I find unique plots by asking myself a simple what if question. And if you look at several stories, they also could have started with what if questions. What if Cinderella was cursed with obedience, as Ellen enchanted? What if man recreated dinosaurs? That's Jurassic Park. What if you're the only person in a family with magical gifts and you had no powers? That's Encanto. The magic of what if is what gets our minds working towards the impossible and helps us to imagine practically anything. If you look at all the what if questions that I posed, your imagination immediately starts creating a world and a story around that singular question, and you're left wanting to know more. What would happen? How would people survive? How would that play out on a day-to-day basis? Uh, More than that, almost everything in those stories ties back to that initial what if question. It encompasses the entire story in a simple sentence, and from everything to the themes, the characters, and the world all point back to that. So I'm continually asking myself, what if? And not just like any what if questions, but ones that are specific and unusual. And from that, I can often create an entire plot and a story world. That is such an excellent answer, Mary Posa. I I love that. When I think about this, and this probably piggytails a little bit on you, I write contemporary fiction, so sometimes I will go and I will look for new stories. Uh, since uh, my books are right now currently talking about sports, I'll look online to see if there's any inspirational sports stories out there, and then I'll give it my own twist, because that's how you make it original, is you take an idea, and then you kind of add your own, this is my take on it. And that's where your what if comes in. Like, what if in this situation, this happened instead of that? Yeah, I really agree with both of you that it's not so much about all the plot points being original per se, but it's really about the concept that you start with that makes it so original. And I love what Brett Harris said in one of our talks at, I think it was the Engaging Plot Summit two years ago, Uh, he had a talk all about finding the premise of your story and just how that is one of the most important things you can spend time on because everything is really downstream of it. 
And I was thinking a little bit about a genre I like that's really known for unique plots and plot twists, and that's the mystery genre. And each time there's a good mystery, it just gets me and it feels surprising. But at the same time, when I think back on many of these stories, they have a lot of the same elements. You know, the, the crime is, is often done in the same way, even though it feels fresh each time. Like um, maybe, you know, the detective is investigating what they think is a crime, but the crime hasn't actually happened yet. It's a setup in order to make the crime possible. Like uh, a good example that I recently uh, watched, Ocean's Eleven where they fake a crime and then that opens up an opportunity to actually make it real. And that's been done several times. There are all these tropes that get reused. And it's actually a lot like cooking. You know, if you ever cooked a really good meal, the secret was not necessarily that you had a secret ingredient no one knew about. Like everybody everybody knows there's there's meats and vegetables and and certain sauces, but it's the combination of those in unique ways that is wonderful and delighting and the tasteful combination of those things. I think for me, what I often start with is people. That may not be where I start my story, but that's where a lot of the originality comes from. Because plots are often reused, remixed slightly in different ways, but what's really diverse and unique is people. No single person is the same. So I think if you really dive deeply into authenticity. We talk a lot about authentically representing characters, but there's two levels to that. There's basic authenticity, and then there's there's authenticity that shows that you really know characters. You're not just representing them honestly, but you're representing them deeply. And I think when you can get to that point with at least a few types of characters, when you can do that, that character is going to be so broad, conflicted, and wonderful that their story is going to feel unlike any other story. Actually, I think with characters, you could also ask what if questions as well. You know, what if I wrote a story about a character that had this problem or was like this? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. My next question for you guys, what are some keys to finding thrilling plot twists that keep readers delighted and excited? Oh, that's a good question. I have been thinking about this for the last few days, kind of chewing it over in my mind, because a lot of times when I write, I will be going along and the characters take on their own life. And they're the ones that put the twist on me. Like I'm going along and I might have an outline and all of a sudden it'll be like, whoa, I did not know that was going to happen. That's a nice thing. But how as a writer do you make that happen if your brain doesn't do what my brain just did? And one of the ideas I came up with was possibly taking, going back to some practice with some short stories, taking a very familiar story that you have, one that you know, Three Little Pigs or whatever, and rewriting the story with a twist. It gives you a lot of good practice of telling a story, but telling it differently. And you'll see a lot of picture books, too, are kind of twists on a story that you expect, you know, that trope where you expect this thing to happen, but it has been rewritten with a twist. So that was my solution to practice coming up with twists by taking short stories that are very familiar and then rewriting them with a different ending. I really like that tip, Lori. 
And I also am like you in that a lot of my props come kind of organically, especially since I am a pantser. So I'm writing and they're like, oh, here's this prop twist, but it works really well for the story. But let's say I don't come up with those prop twists or I do come up with those prop twists, but they aren't quite working. Like there's something off. I have three rules that I use for coming up with prop twists and making sure that they work within a story. And it's one, it's foreshadowing. Two, it's fooling. And three, feelings. Now let me explain the meaning behind my alliteration there. Uh, a prop twist is only as good as long as the reader doesn't know they know it's coming. This is where foreshadowing comes in. You leave in innocent clues that seem like nothing, or you know, you fool them and you make them think it means something else at the same time. So it's basically like giving your little clues double meaning. And then lastly, the feeling is that you want to have your plot twist have some kind of emotional impact on the character or the, or the readers. This doesn't always have to be like a negative, like, you know, you see a lot of stories where, like, the character dies and that's the plot twist. Like, no, you don't have to murder somebody to pull off a great plot twist. You can utilize, like, pretty much any emotion, whether it's joy, sadness, anger, or humor. I like humorous plot twists myself. Yeah, those are great recommendations. And I'm, I'm actually excited to try out that tip of taking a very well-known story, like a fairy tale, and, and doing a twist for it. I love homework like that. For me... How I often come up with plot twists. It's not so much sitting down and thinking, what would make a good plot twist here? But my brain is just slowly working on coming up with new ideas here and there. And when I come up with something that feels so extreme, I'm scared to do it. That's often a good sign that I have something that's going to surprise readers. If I am little scared it's like too much of a surprise for me readers will be surprised and that could be anything it could be really good beautiful and noble it could be ignoble and or villainous or sad or, or anything in between you know i often think of what's one thing that makes the lord of the rings such a good story it's that frodo is just a little bit crazy <laughs> you got to be a little off your rocker to to want to carry the ring into mordor as a little hobbit with all these bad beasties out to get you. Uh, that's not a plot twist, but it, it makes it really engaging. Uh, you can have things like, you know, uh, an anti-hero's flaw just comes out and creates ruin in a way that was foreshadowed by them having this flaw, but you never thought they would go that far. That's one example. You could have, you know, a, a hero that sacrifices more than you ever thought they would. That could be a plot twist itself. I think just kind of Pushing the envelope a little bit is one way to do that. I'm currently really excited to get to my third plot point in my book, even more than the climax, because everything goes wrong more than you would even expect from a third plot point. And so it's my favorite part of the story. Another thing that inspires me, I don't consciously do this so much, but it's a great technique. And this inspiration comes from Charles Dickens, who was brilliant, especially at this one thing, which is reusing his cast. If you read any of his novels, characters that you thought you'd never see again just keep coming back. And it's really efficient, and it also creates for some good plot twists. In fact, I'm just now watching this BBC miniseries on Little Dort, which is fantastic in every way. I highly recommend it. And the characters just keep coming back and keep coming back. It's like 20 characters that are always, once you think they're done, no, they're just as important still. And that creates some cool dynamics where you already know the characters. 
you know their motivations, you know what they're like, but them continuing to have a story in the background when it comes back in, it surprises you and it's really delightful. So that's good. And then um, I guess my last tip would just be to keep your characters a little bit crazy, uh, a little bit obsessed and very driven. If you've got a lot of strong personalities in the room, they're just going to fight over who's in control of the story. And they're going to do some daring things that are going to surprise each other and you as well. I want to add a little thought that came to my mind while you were talking, Days. That is a lot of times when I'm watching movies with people as a writer, with the writer perspective, you can kind of pick out the things, the foreshadowing that uh, Mary Posa talked about and the little clues along the way. And so I think it's important sometimes to put in a little bit of misdirection so that you can be surprised. And that may be that when you get to that plot point in your story and you go back and you look at the work as a whole, you have to see if as you're reading, can you already predict the direction it's going to go? And if you can, you're not gonna have a plot twist. You're gonna have a predictable story. So throwing in a couple of misdirections will help remember that your characters all probably have a secret and you don't have to tell the reader what all those secrets are. Those might not come out until later or not at all. And also if anyone wants a brilliant example of a prop twist that is foreshadowed and hinted at, but has like misdirection, just read The False Prince by Jennifer Nilsson. That is an amazing example of prop twist. I won't tell you what it is. I don't want to give into any spoilers. It's also one of my favorite books because the, char the main character is snarky. Yeah, I love those ideas. My final question for you guys, how do you find your own voice in planning out a story's plot? I think a lot of it comes from your own personal experience and your own personality. I know for myself, like every story I write, there's always some kind of lonely misfit character. I don't even try to put that in there. It just ends up in there. And I think it's drawn from my own life that I've felt like a misfit and I've been isolated in moments of my life. So that is kind of woven in there. And then a lot of times there's also like themes that are repeated throughout my stories or types of characters or just certain things that I like or am drawn to. And it really comes back to who you are and what you've experienced. And like your stories are all going to, even though they're all different, there's always going to be something that kind of ties them all together and says that this is you, this, this, this author wrote this. And a lot of times it also points back to your, even your prose too. A lot of times your prose is mimics your plot style. So if you have a kind of humorous prose style, your story might also, your plot also might be kind of a humorous plot. Yeah, this is, this is that great question of how do you actually develop your voice that is so hard to answer. And the best I can say is that it's hard to do intentionally, but it's easy to do instinctively. And perhaps it's almost like a garden where you've got volunteer plants and you've got a bunch of weeds and you just need to take out the weeds. I think it's important to analyze your writing and see, as Mariposa is seeing in her own fiction, what is you that's in there and identify it and put a name on it so you're aware of it. Once you're aware of it, you'll develop it more, it'll be stronger and more present. And also, 
identify what is you imitating another author that you like in a way that's not quite authentic to you. And once you've identified that, it'll start to fade away. So weed that garden. I also think one of the big ways your voice comes out is just the premise you choose. Just like I said, plots have a lot of the same plot points that are reused over and over again. But premise is supposed to be something that stands out and is really unique to your story. So spend some time on that and find something that feels authentic to you. Am I weird to think that sometimes my voice is different depending on what I'm writing? I know when I write the articles for Story Embers, they're generally speaking very serious. They are meant to teach and I am a teacher. And so sometimes I take that tone. And yet my style is very different from like Gabrielle's style. When I read what she writes, she has this very personable, I'm having a conversation kind of thing with her. So I think our voices are still distinct from each other. But when I write fiction, I don't know, it's different. There's almost always humor in what I write. It's almost always a little bit flippant, but it does have at points those serious overtones. When I wrote my Megan Rose series, that was for a very young audience, you know, kindergarten, first and second graders. So my main character was just talking like a kid and it had a very strong, very distinct sound to the way that she conversed and the way that she thought and all the craziness that went with her. And my young adult novels that I have right now, each one part of a series, yet each one with a different star character, the voices of those characters are different depending on their personalities. So, and I think I maybe sometimes I'm wondering if this is what can be confusing when it comes to voice, that maybe we don't have that clear definition of what it is. And it's helpful to hear what, you know, you guys are saying that you take out the weeds, this is part of you. But still, and maybe you can answer my question, part of me is wondering, will I sound different in different situations? I would say you sound different, but there's still like hints of yourself. Like I know from your articles, you're more serious, but I still get, I still get humor in your articles and I can still tell this is Lori. And like for myself, when I write articles for Story Ambers, they're very much different from my actual writing, which is very snarky a lot of times. But yet there's still that kind of thread of snarkiness or um, other elements that I have in my writing. It's still there. It's just maybe stronger or lighter depending on what I'm writing. That just means you're an interesting person if you have so many different ways to say so many different things. It sounds like a good thing to me. Thank you so much, Laurie, Mariposa, and Deus for your insightful thoughts on today's episode. Have a topic or question you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? Email info at storyembers.org to let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson, Michael Stanton, and Renee Kennedy. And finally, join us again on September 18th as we discuss the topic, Who is my story for? on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast.